0: I don't ever want to like weaponize my mental health to someone else but it's like I'm over here like feeling like I'm dying. Constantly. Like at times feeling like I might actually die. Right. And you're not here. Right. And that was really frustrating.
1: Hello friends, welcome to another episode of the and also podcast. I am your host, Madison. Thank you so, so much for joining today. Today is such a special experience for me because this guest and this topic is really what inspired me to start this podcast in the first place. Today we're going to be talking about grief and partner loss and navigating life after someone you love dies. And I know that's very heavy. (laughs) It's very intense. It's a taboo topic for a lot of people, but it's also something that a lot of us have lived through and a lot of us will live through, if not all of us. So I'm super excited to get into today's episode. There is so much to talk about, but definitely a huge trigger warning for death and suicide and grief and all of those really big topics. (music) But of course, before I have my guest come in today, I wanted to share with you the drink of the day. Today we are drinking vanilla oat lattes. I absolutely love an oat latte. I like vanilla, I also love almond. If your local coffee shop has almond flavor, definitely do almond or almond and vanilla, it's so good. Um, And I just love oat milk, it's my milk of choice, my plant milk of choice. This coffee is from the Broadway Grind, It's a small local coffee shop that I picked these up from, and it's super good. So yeah, that's the drink of the week. Let me know in the comments what you're drinking while you're watching this video. And the book of the week. I'm sure many of you have heard of this book. It's a pretty popular one, but it was recommended to me in the very early days of losing my ex-partner Regis, and it's truly something I can credit my survival through that time too. And I feel like that's a lot of the themes of the books that I read is like, is this helping me live my day-to-day life in a way that's more comfortable? And this book is a million percent that. This is uh, The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. It is hands down the best book I've ever read. It has saved my life. I was super super apprehensive of reading any books that had to do with grief especially in the early days that I lost Regis. I was afraid of that like woo-woo fake stupid annoying Hallmark greeting card like he's in a better place type of thing but this is very much not that. I was super hesitant. It was a recommendation from a friend of mine and I just was like you know what I'm gonna trust her and I'm gonna read it. I could not put it down. I want to read it again with this perspective of, you know, being a year since I read it, and this was my year of magical thinking, which I just made that connection right now. I literally read this book a year ago. And wow, this year has been wild. Uh, we just passed the one-year anniversary of Regis's passing in November. It has been a year since I've read this, and a lot has changed. It's a almost like a memoir of Joan Didion's experience losing her husband. And it's unlike any other memoir I've read. I feel like I've read so many memoirs about grief and loss. And this has by far just been so different than any of the others i read. I mean, she's an outstanding writer, but... This just really hit me at a time where I needed it, and just reflecting on this last year has been extremely emotional, Um, and you'll hear more about that in today's interview. That is the book of the week, and with that, let's get into today's interview. Thank you guys so much for watching if you're on YouTube and if you are listening on any streaming platform. All right, so on today's episode, I have a very special guest, somebody who actually inspired me to... Do this podcast in the first place.
0: That's just still a scary
1: idea. (laughs) But I really, you know, for me, it's been a roller coaster with grief and losing somebody at my age. Like it's very weird. Mm. And you're really the only person I know that's been through something similar. So today we're going to be talking about grief partner loss and just navigating life after loss and all of the crazy little Mm -hmm. things that kind of come along with it. Um, So I'll have you introduce yourself.
0: Hi, so I'm Evelyn Dara. Um, I lost my partner to a very sudden and tragic accident Um, and it just kind of started off as a normal day and then it wasn't. Um, And now I'm kind of struggling with being a young person and I think also being an unmarried young person who was with their partner for an extended period of time and kind of dealing with the grief, dealing with the way people label you and the way people look at it, and just kind of
1: all of it all at once. What has been your experience, like, being so young, losing somebody that you plan to spend the rest of your life with? I feel like the initial,
0: like, day, obviously, um, and we've talked about this in the past, but it's just, like, you weren't there. Like, I wasn't there. I was completely gone. Right. Um. I can, like, look back and, like, remember some of it, but, like, for the most part, I was, like, completely dissociated for an incredibly long period of time and I definitely feel like during that time I had a lot of good support luckily which I feel like is not something that everyone necessarily experiences right because like I had people the people around me were basically keeping me alive my mom and the three women that were like helping me and my dad were keeping me alive because I remember like two like I think for like a solid week at least I didn't really eat either and I like wasn't brushing my hair wasn't happening like I felt like my mom was there just like trying to like nurturing me like I was a child again Amber stayed with me for like an incredibly long period of time and basically was just like on watch to make sure that I stay alive yeah and dealing with my crazy and then like my friend Cassie like showed up the night of and like put down her entire life to show up for the worst night of my life that I don't know if I would have made through without her and then like my friend Reagan she was like kind of taking care of all the physical things that like you don't think about like she was like braiding my hair back making sure that I was eating
1: like she was literally like forcing soup in my face soup is the thing yes soup is the thing (laughs) so we wanted to have this conversation because I as many of you know if you do like follow my social media I lost my ex-partner to suicide in November of 2022 we were not, like, together at the time. It had been three years since we were together. We were still really good friends, very active in each other's lives, at least as much as we could be with his, like, mental health situation. When he died, I mean, I literally knew nobody, mm-hmm. especially, like, around my age group who had lost a significant other. Like, maybe people people lost their grandparents, and they're like, oh, I understand how you feel because my grandma died when I was 12. But that's, like... <laughs> It's so different. Well, and like, I
0: feel so terrible using this example, but it's from um, It's Okay to Not Be Okay, which is that book that we both just really love. Yes, fantastic But she book. said it's like the difference between the pain of like a paper cut versus like having a chainsaw cut your leg off. Yeah. Like you expect to get a paper cut at some point in your life, and that's not saying that it doesn't hurt, because it is hurt, and that pain is valid, and I'm not trying to say it isn't. Right. But like. You don't expect a chainsaw to come chop off your arm. right? And that's like how that sudden,
1: especially young loss, it's like, what just happened? What I was saying before from November when he died to probably like March, April, like I I literally try so hard to think back, like, how did I get through that? What did I do during that time? Apparently, I had a whole birthday party that I barely remember. There's so much during that period that I Mm -hmm. cannot recall for the life of me unless I see a picture. And even if I see a picture, I'm like, I don't remember being Mm -hmm. a part of that at all. And I feel like a lot of people don't really talk about that. It's just like, oh, you're supposed to get the news, plan the funeral, do all the things, and then, you know, you're supposed to just go back to work on Monday. There's literally like a period of my life that I I don't even know if I was working at the time like I have no idea
0: well in that period for me like felt so much longer than it actually was yeah like it felt like that first couple months felt like a whole year within itself yeah like it was just time did not exist to me if nuclear war was happening I wouldn't have known like I was so out of it I was completely uninvolved with the rest of the world just in my own little bubble like lost
1: You're just kind of expected to like exist in your life. And, you know, everyone's like, okay, you get back to work or do the things, feed the animals, Mm -hmm. visit family. Oh, all of a sudden it's the holidays. And like Regis died right before the holidays. I was supposed to have a normal Thanksgiving and my birthday and then a normal Christmas and then the new year. And I'm like, wow, it's 2023 and Regis is not ever going to be in 2023. It's hard to find phrasing for things in grief
0: because you're not glad, but appreciative right of hearing you say like the thing about 2023 because i dreaded the new year yeah i'm like i do not want to enter into a year that he is never going to be in yeah like
1: i will stay in 2022 forever i i don't want it like eventually i'm gonna be older than him yeah and older than he would ever get to be he died when he was 24 i'm turning 24 in five days yeah the
0: same age as him now and then next year i'm gonna be older than him And I'm like, this isn't correct. Like, he's always been older than me.
1: Every time I celebrate my birthday, it feels horrible. And, Mm -hmm. like, deep down, it's like, okay, it's my birthday. And also, why should I get to celebrate being older when Regis doesn't get to?
0: Well, I had a hard time, too. Like, sometimes I would forget how old he is because I just did it again. Yeah. That is. It's like was, is, but (laughs) (laughs) what do you say? (laughs) But he passed, like...
1: Two, was days, it? Before, yeah, two it was days before right.
0: his birthday. He was just about to be this age. Right. And so sometimes when people ask me, I'm like, well, he is this age, and that's not correct because we never got there. And that's something that's also so frustrating, too, is that set of days is just like, this is awful. Because we're, like, being asked to, like, mourn the loss of him, and then, like, a day later, we're mourning or we're celebrating the life of him, and it's yeah. just, like, so much at once I, I take off those days at,
1: like, the start of the year. I'm like, yeah, don't like, expect yeah, I'm not going to be able to be present. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I've done it. I will probably continue doing it this whole time. But using, like, present or past terminology, like, Regis was, Regis is, and it's it's really difficult. And I feel like the more that time passes, the more difficult it mm-hmm. becomes to figure out what's right, because it does... It's not that I'm, like, accepting it, but it does start to feel more real Mm -hmm. that he is not here. I feel like I struggle with it a lot,
0: Um, and, like, this comes back to, like, kind of that disbelief that you suffer from in the beginning. He had just come back from, like, a deployment. Like, literally just come back. That you were expecting him to be out for a very long one. It was like I was kind of used to him not always being there. Oh. And so it became very confusing and there was times where I did genuinely feel insane because I was like, he's just deployed right now. Like, like he's, he's coming. Just back. Deployed. Yeah. Yeah, he's coming back. And so like the was is really got to me for a really long time and still does because I was like, he's gonna come back with the boat like any second. This isn't real. And I think yeah. that was like the biggest struggle that I had was I really did feel crazy.
1: I think for me personally I have a difficult time with it because there's also the period of Regis Before he got sick and Regis, after he got sick and until he passed. Mm -hmm. It's like the Regis that I knew was like mentally stable and was not the Regis that died. Who am I grieving? Is it the Regis that I knew or is it the Regis that had schizophrenia? Which one? So I guess I do relate to like, you know, the, the going away, like being deployed. You're like missing someone, but... You, they're coming back it's like almost this past version of them that you're expecting to walk through the door but mm-hmm. well I think too like with you living further
0: away from home like both of us moved you were used to not having him part of
1: the everyday you're like right. oh he'll
0: just call
1: yeah because you were living hours away mm-hmm. which in those early days like it had to feel kind of isolating I mean until people were able to get to you yeah it was definitely very tough and I
0: feel like there was times where like his family was there and they were in charge of a lot of the planning stuff so like they had things to do and like I really didn't I don't think that I could have like I'm amazed that they handled everything the way that they did because I really don't think that I could have done it and I just kind of like disappeared and I'm like I'm seeing these people moving around me but I'm not here we were at the funeral the next day that morning and to me that was crazy because I'm like this isn't real and, like, I feel like that's, like, the biggest issue that I have with was is it's so finalizing. It's strange because, like, definitely, like I said, in the moment, I was very dissociated. And, like, my mom could tell, like, especially when they were having the reading line, I was in that with his family. And so, like, I had people coming out to me and, like, talking to me. And I'm, like, I'm not even hearing what you're saying. couldn't even, like, understand saying. the words. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, half the time it's, like, people I knew were in front of me. And I'm, like, I, I don't know who you are. Like, I'm not even here enough to process who you are. I could have known you my whole life. And I'm like, I don't know who you are right now. And so that was very strange. And, like, my mom said she was watching me a lot and she could just see, like, I was absent. Were you even crying or,
1: like, like, could you
0: cry? It was kind of on and off. There was times where, like, I could not stop and other times where I was just completely blank. Yeah. But it's weird now, like, looking back, there's, like, elements of that period that, and it seems so wrong to say, but, like, I almost miss, but I think I just miss having those people who cared about him around because, like, everyone has to go yeah. back to their lives. They can't stay in the, this moment the way that we're kind of stuck in it. So it was, like, yeah. nice to have those people around and, like, they all cared about him and they were there and we were talking about him and I still want to talk to him about, him about him every second. And it's not that these people don't care. It's just, like, they have to continue with their lives.
1: Yeah, and their relationship to him was just different in the way that, like, They knew him in in a way, but you knew him in all the ways. So every aspect of your life is impacted. And it's not like, you know, they probably think of him from time to time when something comes up that reminds them. But those time to time things, Mm -hmm. those reminders are literally everywhere for us. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible for me to like enjoy anything because you know, I'll go somewhere with my friends and all I can think is like the time where Regis and I did this thing here, or the time that we celebrated his birthday here, or the time that we got in a fight by these steps, like just really specific things. And, and they're in your head and they're stuck because you don't want to be the the downer. You don't want to yeah. make everyone all of a sudden sad because you're like, oh yeah, this place reminds me of Regis because we went on our first date here. And everyone's like, yeah. What do we do? Do we say anything? Do we, like, how do we react to that? Like, you almost can't even say his name mm-hmm. because it, it's, like, a curse word. They're, like, yes. we don't, it, everyone stops and just stares at you.
0: A lot of my closest friends, like, those main three who were, like, right, the there for all of that, they're pretty good about it. They're comfortable enough with me talking about him, but, like, they also knew him, too, which helps. Yeah. Um... I think one of the better decisions I made, and it was very strange because I still for the life of me do not remember applying for this job. But I ended <laughs> I up <felt> getting <laughs> offered, like, at one of the, I don't even know why I answered the phone. Like, they're lucky I did. Right. Because at one of the memorial services for him, I got offered a job. Like, I got oh called and God. offered an interview for a job. I'll talk to my bosses now, and they'll say, like, you were so great in the interview. And I'm like, I literally. Do you even remember? Like. Barely remember it. And I know for a fact that when I hung up that Zoom call, I was hyperventilating, sobbing. The job that I ended up getting was, like, the job. It was, like, the job we were looking for me to get. And you're still there? Yes. Wow. And it was, like, the job we were looking for me to get when we moved down there. And the fact that I got the job that was in the plan after the fact was just so wild to me and so bittersweet. But then the point that I was trying to make about it was I think it was good that I left the job that I was in because I loved the people that I worked with at my other school but if I had gone back there, I would have been the person who lost their spouse. Yeah, That was all I would have been the yes. whole time I was there. Versus, like, it was incredibly difficult to restart here. I wasn't that person. Like, the people in my life there now, they know about it.
1: And I've made a lot yeah. of really good friends at this school. You could also pick and choose who you yeah. knew.
0: You were exactly. coming back
1: into it with everyone knowing it and, and having still, to relive it with every condolence you got.
0: Exactly. And they still don't all know it. And, like my kids don't know like that was the thing at my old school all my kids knew right and it's like here my kids don't know it's not their job to worry about me right it's my job to worry about them so like that to me too I'm like how do I do my job now but like too like I can make friends that are after people they're not making that comparison to who I was before and I can talk about Demir a lot more easily because they're after people
1: yes oh my god yes there's this idea that you're going to return to that version of yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like Madison, we miss the old you. We miss when you would go out. We miss when you would you know be down to go get food at you know midnight or we miss when you would not be depressed sitting in your bed 24-7. And there is no going back to that. No. And it is so much easier to be friends with new people because you can pick and choose what information is available to them about the situation. With my friends who knew Regis, I almost have to have a disclaimer when I bring him up of like, I'm not bringing this up in a depressing way, I promise, Mm -hmm. and just bringing it up like just to say something. But with people who didn't know him, I can actually just say, oh, yeah, Regis and I did this thing. Yeah. And it's like, you talk about it and you move on. Exactly.
0: Like I can listen to my friends at work talk about their partners and I can talk about Demir. And the other thing is I feel like... (sighs) Like, talking with them about it kind of helps with that is-was thing because I can say is with them. And, yes, they're aware, but they weren't there for it. Because to them, and to it, it to is. to talking to them, it's like telling them for the first time about these stories. Yes. I and mean, it feels more like a now, reliving yeah. the
1: stories. Because they're not looking at it as was because they mm-hmm. didn't know him. Yeah. With any sort of traumatic event that you experience, you're never going to be the same person. Even if you go through a really serious car crash mm-hmm. and you, like, break your legs. You're not going to be the same in so many ways. You're you're going to have different fears and anxieties and the experience shapes you, but with grief, it's the same thing. And people don't understand that. They think there's like an end line. They think that's why I hate when people say that like grief is a journey because journey just implies that there's an end, and there is no destination with this. It's an ongoing thing forever until I die. The stigma around mental health
0: and like in general, and like especially yeah. with Regis, but then also with like loss, it's like so people bad. don't think about it's like oh you're just sad. Yep. And it's like no, like I I didn't want to be here. Right. I didn't right. want to be here, and I like really didn't want to be here, like to the point where like I had one of his buddies come in and take ev like the next day because I that day I had just enough foresight to know where I was gonna be to say, you need to take every key from this yep. safe away from me and you need to change that code and you need to not tell me what it is. Like I had just enough foresight to be like, you need to like save me from me because I can see where I'm heading and I'm not gonna be okay.
1: This is how I thought about it and this is really dark. Trigger warning. Um. <laughs> yes, I just said what I said. It's, and I feel like you're just gonna understand this in a different way. But to me, my thought was, I'm gonna die anyways Mm -hmm. this life is meaningless now why the would I suffer for the next what 70 years for the same outcome I'm Mm -hmm. gonna die no matter what I can either suffer for decades or I could just get it over with now and when I would say that to people like there were a, a very select handful of people I said that to I mean they, and I i didn't even mean it in, like, a I'm going to kill myself way. Well, and that's so hard to explain to people because the thing is, like, that
0: thought is there in my brain, but I know I'm not actually going to do it. Yeah. And, like, if I wasn't voicing this to you, that's when you should really be scared. Well, I feel like almost with Regis, everyone was on, like, heightened alert.
1: Yeah. Because so that definitely didn't yeah. help.
0: Everyone yeah. was really nervous already.
1: Yeah, it was like we were all trying to make sure no one else was going to yeah.
0: kill themselves. like. And it's like, and that was even a conversation that I had with his brother, like, right away. But that was, I was only having that conversation with him because I knew how I felt. Yeah. And I'm like, I I just told him, I'm like, I'm not going to preach to you about anything. All I'm going to say is if you are feeling any type of way, I need you to call me. Because I am having feelings and thoughts that I never thought I would have. Right. Like, I genuinely do not want to be here. Right. And it was like a constant
1: chant in my head. Yeah. Like, he is dead. He is dead. And it wouldn't stop. Yeah. And it's like, what, what's the point? He's dead. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? What is my purpose? Especially because you're so far from, like, your family. Yeah. And you're in this house that was your house with him. I honestly, like, I give you so much credit for being able to stay there because I honestly don't think I would have been able to.
0: Well, and that was something that, like, a lot of people didn't get at the time, and it was something that I really had to get people to understand because the other thing was, like, the accident happened, like, around the corner from our house
1: really like yeah there was so a do you like drive by it often or do you see it like luckily I like? didn't have
0: to drive by it at first um and like my one friend's house was kind of that way so like if I had to go to her house I would take the long way because I'm like I'm just gonna plan to yeah. not drive this direction and so that was really difficult for the long time because it would really get in my chest if I went anywhere near there yeah and, like, even one night I had someone walked from that direction down the road with like a flashlight because oh like people God. had come to get us with flashlights. And I saw that and I'm just like, I can't breathe. Yeah. And I felt absolutely insane because I had a pointed box and literally just like stuffing my shirt full of ice because I'm like, I can't breathe. I need wow. to come back down to earth. I'm like, and I'm like gonna pass out. Right. Like, I'm straight up gonna pass out. And so it definitely hasn't been easy being in the house but i think it would have been a lot harder coming back here and that's a really hard thing to tell your family who wants you to be around and luckily my family has been incredibly supportive about it because if i came back here i would have moved into my parents basement and i would have never come out
1: and And you were neighbors mm -hmm. here and that's the
0: other thing is like either way i'm staring at a house that we lived in like it doesn't Matter Um, one way or another. It's like, do I want to have to stare at a house and see other people in it, or do I want to have this place that we really like built as ours? Right. But if I had come back here, I just knew I'm like, that would have been it. Like, I would not have done anything with my life. Like, at least in this house, I can continue doing the things that we plan to do. And I think that was another big concern that people had was that I was just going to start only living for him. But I'm like, this wasn't just his thing. Like we were partners. We had these plans together. I didn't just agree to these because it was something he wanted. It was something we both
1: wanted. In so many ways it's it's all you have left. So if that's what gets you through. Yeah. Who cares? We find very strange coping mechanisms in grief and like just little things that we do almost like rituals that we do and they might be crazy to other people. They might make zero sense to other people. But at the end of the day, it's like, if that's what gets you through, there's much worse things you could be doing. Besides the actual loss itself, what has been the most difficult part in the aftermath of this? Mm -hmm. So after the funeral, after all the, the stuff and everybody leaves and you're just kind of like left to live your life in this new way, what has been the hardest part? And it's so hard to like disentangle
0: the two. Um, definitely like the sleeping situation was very difficult because I hadn't been in my bed alone for like like since I got out of college. Like I met Demir right. directly out of college. Right. And so I hadn't been sleeping alone like hardly ever. Right. Except maybe when he was deployed. But that was like normal. Right. And even it's then different. that still
1: sucked so right but in that way you know he's coming home yeah so it's like this is just for now
0: yeah I started and it just it seems so ridiculous and I feel like to other people it's going to sound insane but I started sleeping across the top of the bed facing the headboard so I'm like sleeping where the pillows were supposed to be because that way I'm waking up and I know where I am and I'm not having that confused moment when you're first starting to come kind of come back where it's like he's right there next to me. Right. Because that was like the hardest part for the first couple, like first month I would say that I was alone in that bed because like at first my mom was sleeping in the bed with me. So at the very least I was waking up and there was someone there and it was very clearly not him. And so that helped. Right, right. Versus once I was in it alone, I was like, oh, he's right there. And then I would fully wake up and I'm like, it would just hit all over again.
1: Right, like you have to literally do this grounding exercise essentially to make sure that you're not allowing room for that freak out in the morning of mm-hmm. like what is real is is this really happening to me and it's once again like one of those grief rituals that you do that seems like insane to other people but it's literally what keeps you from starting off every day wanting to die yeah stuff that seems
0: so simple and I've seen this meme about it oh god it's like the one about the brush and the teeth oh yep and it's like, oh, depression makes it hard for people to brush their teeth. And it's like, depression makes, it hard, makes people want to kill themselves. Right. But like, it, it <laughs> honestly, like, it's such a dark joke, but it was so validating to be like, okay, I'm not a freak for not brushing my freaking teeth. Yeah. Because I had such a hard time getting myself to brush my teeth. And I'm like, why is this such a difficult task? It right. is just brushing my teeth. Yeah. Um, it was ridiculous. But that was like one of those things. And then two, like cooking. Oh, my God. Because I started really cooking once we started dating. And I just, like, really enjoyed trying new things and having him taste them and, like, seeing his reaction. Right. So that was, like, my big reason why I like cooking. So, like, that stopped. It took the joy out of cooking. Yeah. Because, like, the reason you love to do it is not here. Yeah. And so for, like, a solid... And the other thing was I couldn't touch the knives in my kitchen without freaking out. I was fine with them being there, which was strange. Right. But I couldn't. You couldn't make that personal connection, them. yeah. Like if I touched did, them, I was like, hmm, "We want to do things with these knives that they're not meant for."
1: Right, eating was a, the hardest part for me. I think. Yeah. Like I mean, I wasn't sleeping for the first few months. I, I don't even know how I lived without mm-hmm. like losing my mind because I barely slept every single time. I would close my eyes. I would see what happened, and I would replay it over and over and once my brain would go there I couldn't get myself out um and then eating like I was just like what is the point yeah what is the point of this why am I how dare I eat like when Regis is dead yeah and that's what it was for everything it was like how dare I smile how dare I go to work how dare I hang out with my friends when Regis is dead what Mm -hmm. is the point and I almost started like using that for things that it was like brushing my teeth. Why am I brushing my teeth and Regis is dead? Why am I brushing my hair and Regis is dead? And it's that can mm-hmm. literally like destroy your life, but you can't stop because everything feels stupid. Mm-hmm. And like, every it's like, wh- why am I putting effort into anything when this person that I love? is never gonna be here it feels everything feels selfish
0: yeah the hair thing too was definitely an issue that's why i ended up having this short hair because it was so long before and i'm like i can't take care of this yeah and like right when school was supposed to start i've like i'm going to go cut my hair into bob I'm yeah Like, because i can't i can't, can't have something it. that needs to be brushed like this and like yeah. at least with a bob there were some days where like if i didn't brush my hair it wasn't the end of the world right versus like i had like just this matted knot in the back. And luckily I found like the nicest hairdresser ever because I'm like, I probably look like an absolute insane person coming in here.
1: I constantly like wonder how how did I get through that? Mm-hmm. Because no one was there to tell me like you need to do these things. Um, I stopped going to therapy because therapy felt, it felt like I was trying to solve my grief with my therapist. I was trying to rationalize. I was trying to keep myself from getting to the darkest point but I was at the darkest point. So I had to stop going to therapy for a while because it became very toxic. Um, I couldn't talk to my friends because they didn't understand and they, they they tried their best, but it's like... How can they? How much can you really And help? it's like you want them to understand, but at the same time
0: you know the only way they can understand is to go through it, and it's like you don't want that for them.
1: Right, so you're just alone and you're just like floating through. And it's like, how did I even get through that? Actually, my boyfriend at the time, he was very, very pushy about me doing group therapy for suicide survivors. I was extremely against it. I know myself and I knew that it would be it would do more harm than good. I was not ready for something like that because I am too empathetic. If I hear somebody else's story about grief, I am gonna focus on that. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna worry about these people in the group. I'm gonna, like, too, it was too much, but he kind of, like, pressured me into doing it and, like, almost, like, held it over my head. Like, every time I would say, I'm hurting, I'm suffering, all this stuff, he'd be like, well, maybe you should do something about it. Maybe you should join this group. And it got to the point where I got so fed up with him that I just did it. And as expected it was extremely hard for me. I couldn't even focus on myself during this because I'm hearing about all these people who had their partners, their friends, their mother, their sibling commit suicide. And I'm like, I feel so much for these people and I want to support them and help them that I forgot why I was even there. And then outside of the group, all I could think about was these people Mm -hmm. and what they went through. So I just, I hated that pressure to like, fix it
0: yeah and i feel like it's almost like enabling for yourself to like put the focus on someone else yes so like i don't have to face this if i can put the focus completely on someone else even that night i saw that there were kids outside someone's house and i am in the middle of the biggest mental breakdown you're going to the mental hospital freaking right. out of my life And then I saw these kids that were outside, and I'm like, they can't be out here. I, like, started freaking out. I'm like, they can't be out here. They can't witness this. Like, I was literally losing my mind. It's like I'm going through the biggest loss of my life, and I just completely distracted myself with that.
1: Right. Right. It's like the weirdest, littlest things. Your
0: mind will do anything to focus on something else, even if it's not a better thing.
1: It it could be anything because it's – if you can alleviate any of that suffering – even if it's for half a second. Not even alleviate, just like change directions. Mm-hmm. How have you been treated differently as a grieving person? Which I feel like is such a... It's such a difficult It's a loaded question. <laughs> um,
0: I, it really depends on the perspective that you give it. There's a lot of people in my life that aren't in my life anymore, and I've just kind of had to come to terms with that and accept it, and it's kind of like going through multiple losses at once right. because there's definitely a couple of people that like... Before this happened, I thought, well, like, my rider dies. Like, they're going to be here for all of it. And then I'm like, wow, like, you're gone. You gave me nothing. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, even the moments when they did show up, it just, it was like, this isn't enough. And, like, I almost don't want to blame them fully because I'm like, how could you possibly know what I need? But, like, you're not even here at all. These are people that, like, I would hop on a plane for. Right. And they weren't there. Right. Certain people in my life, I was like, I understand. Like, you can't. But there was, like, other people that I'm like, I, I don't understand. And those were the people that I kind just slowly faded out of my life. Because I'm like, I just, I can't deal with this and deal with you and try to fix whatever the heck went wrong here yeah, on you top of, like, guilty. trying to get myself back together. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, you feel like, am I being too judgmental? Am I putting... My mental health on this other person, but it's just like you're not even doing the bare minimum, right? And you don't know how to talk to them about it without like feeling like you're guilting them
1: into supporting you, yeah,
0: into supporting you. And it's like, I don't ever want to like weaponize my mental health to someone else, but it's like I'm over here like feeling like I'm dying constantly, like at times feeling like I might actually die, right? And you're not here, right? And that was really frustrating. And then also just, I feel like as a young person, you get a lot of weirdness because you have this big, bright future ahead of you and you're going to move on. You're going to, you have time to find love again. A whole life
1: ahead of you. And it's like,
0: at this point in my life, and it could change, it could change, but at this point in my life, I'm like, I don't want to. I Yeah. And it's like, it's this expectation that if also like, people treat you with this idea that if you don't find love again you're never going to be happy again the way you were and it's like no matter what I'm never going to be happy again the way I was no but I think
1: I can find some semblance of happiness on my own and I think that's way more important than trying to fill this void with somebody else that's not fair to yourself and that's not fair to the other person it's like a double-edged sword because then if you do move on
0: it's too soon or if you don't move on you're holding on too long I'm just yep. like, can't we just do whatever it is we need to do for individual selves?
1: And and that's almost so much to ask. Yeah. Because people want to, it's not even like brush it under the rug. I think for some people it is. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. the funeral's over. We dealt with it. That was our grief. But they just want to fix it and they want you to be fixed. Because I think at the end of the day, people do care and they're trying but they don't have the tools. And it's mostly because we don't talk about grief in like the Western society. It's very taboo for whatever reason because all of us are gonna die. So like, why are we not talking about the thing that all of us will collectively experience? But
0: mm-hmm.
1: people wanna fix it. They want you to return to this version of yourself. And instead of trying to fix me, just be there. Just be, I'm not asking for a solution. There is yeah. no solution. Unless you could bring Regis back from the dead there's no solution.
0: Exactly. There's no
1: fixing it. So stop trying to fix it and just be there. Just listen. Just yeah. give me the space to talk about it. Because like you were saying before, we are always thinking about it. Yeah. No matter what, 24-7. So all we need sometimes is to just get it out of our heads. Mm-hmm. That's it. Don't make us, and it's so hard to do because I feel like no
0: matter what, we're going to feel guilty. But don't make us feel guilty for talking about it. Right. Like we're not trying to suck the joy out of our Like, everyone else's (laughs) room and everyone else's good
1: time, but, like... Yes, you feel like the black cloud. Yeah. Like, you're just... Oh, my God, yes. You're just showing up to ruin everyone's Mm -hmm. day. It's like, God forbid you say his name. You Mm -hmm. have literally rained on everyone's parade, like... Mm -hmm. Committed a sin. Yeah. People
0: are like, why don't you come out more? Because I can't talk. And, like, people aren't doing it to you on purpose, but it's like, if I say Demir's name, I've let... (laughs) like a rabid bear into the room everybody stops everybody freezes and looks at you and and they're like
1: what do we do what do we say
0: you see this mix of concern and almost like resentment that like you're ruining everyone's good time so it's like you want me to be more social but it's so hard it's because i'm like i'm trying not to ruin it but it's like This person was the source of my happiness and for me to reconnect with my happiness a lot of times is to talk about him. And I feel like this is something people say a lot and it just sounds so cliche, but if you knew Demir or Regis, they were both such gigantic personalities in very different ways. Yes, But like genuinely, if you knew them, they had a sizable impact on your life because they both were such, like, uncharacteristic personalities. And they just took such joy in themselves, too. And it was just, like, they were such a big presence. Like, they made themselves known. They weren't afraid to take up space. And I think that's something they both had in common. Yeah. To then have them not be there, that's a big impact. Yeah. Like, it really, really is. And it's, like, it's something that you hear said, but it's, like, with them, like, genuinely. Right. And so now, especially, like, with Demir, he was, like, a very loud, happy presence his happy was too loud in, like, the best possible way. So now to have that silence, it's like... It's even louder. What do I do? It's a huge difference.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure he also brought out those things in you, too. So it's almost hard to access that place in yourself now.
0: Yes, and that's something that I've struggled with a lot and I still haven't gotten better about because, like... I've never been super comfortable in social situations whereas like Demir was like, he could be comfortable around anyone. He literally didn't and he care. Could, like and he, he was just like, I'm yeah. here, here I am. He's like, Let's I'm here, it. I'm gonna be <laughs> friends with everyone. If you don't like me, that's okay. I'm still gonna be nice to you. Right. And I'm still gonna be happy no matter what. And that's something that I struggle with. He just in such a like a positive way, did not care what people thought about him. Yeah. And that's something that I have struggled to maintain and find for myself again because I yes. feel like that made such a positive difference in my life and I'm like, I need to find this within myself and it's been really difficult and I'm still not fully there but I've gotten right. better. And I think with the added layer of grief,
1: yeah. you already feel like you're out of whack with your entire like identity because you you almost just identify with your grief. It's like your whole life. Yeah. So being able to feel comfortable being yourself Part of ourselves is that grief. Mm -hmm. And when it makes other people uncomfortable, it makes us shut down and not want to be ourselves because that's part of who we are now.
0: And that's such a hard thing to like navigate too, to just figure out like who you are in that grief, I guess. Yeah. Because like there's definitely some parts of it where I was like, I don't like this person and I don't know how to manage this grief and balance it and make it less heavy without falling into someone that I really don't like.
1: Right. There's something one of my friends told me that kind of really sticks with me is there's two, when somebody dies, there's two deaths. There's them actually dying, like the the actual thing, the actual Mm -hmm. event. But then there's the death where people stop talking about them and people forget them and people move on and people let them die. And that is horrifying to me. Um, So I feel like letting go of parts of my grief is letting Regis die even more than he already is like all we have left are the stories the memories the experiences Mm -hmm. no definitely
0: and i think that's something that me and like his family have had a real issue with and something that like we just want to hear his name wherever we can right and like we want his name to be wherever it can be so like we have like the stone we have road signs like he has a road now in his hometown his mom just got this gorgeous bench for him made Wow. Um, I'm going to get adopt a road near our house and like do that whole thing. So like we're trying to have his name in as many places as possible because we don't want people to forget he's here. And right. like the ship now has an award for um, community service that they're doing for Demir. And so like every time the boat goes underway, it's kind of like he's still there. And, like, all of that wow. stuff is just, like, so important. And it seems so silly.
1: I can tell because you're yeah. smiling about it. Yeah. And, and it's even like, like bringing like... you joy just talking about yeah small pieces of him still being here. And even, like, Gold Star
0: Families, who's, like, for a family to have lost um, a military service member, they do this thing, and it just seems so small, but it's such a big deal. They have this bell ringing, and all they do is they ring a bell and say their name. But it's, like... You know that every year, no matter what, someone's saying his name. It seems
1: so simple. It's it's, like like, someone is literally saying his name Yeah, every year. Okay, what parts of grief for you have been the most shocking?
0: Definitely, like, the toll on my mental health that it's taken has been pretty shocking. Not been perfect, but, like, I've never had feelings like this before. right. Like, like a I've,
1: major traumatic yes. event.
0: It just feels like I don't have full control of myself. Yeah. Oh god, a couple of weeks ago my script wasn't filled. And so like for the longest time I have felt better. And then to have my script not filled and to go off my meds for like, oh god, it was like maybe 3 days, but it was enough. And it was reveals like yeah. the true self. Exactly, and to have yourself like slide back and you're like, "Oh my god." Yeah like, I'm not actually better, was, like, really horrifying. They don't work for everyone, but, like, try medication, people, please, Jesus. To see that person in the mirror again and be, like, this is where I could still be. Yeah. I was, like, I can't do this. Like, I can't handle being that person on my own. And so to have something that helps me get through the day is pretty great, I think, the original fear was that it was gonna completely numb me out. Right. And it hasn't done that, but it's just made it so like I can breathe.
1: Yeah. I mean medication saved my life. Yeah. A million percent. I think for me the most shocking part was how horrible my memory got mm-hmm. and like how just clocked out I was twenty four seven. Because I think like I have ADHD, so I'm like very hyper aware of things and like very um I'm like a go, go, go type of person. Like I always have something on my schedule. I am barely not doing anything. Um, and when Regis died, I like I couldn't. I was like, is my ADHD broken? Like what's yeah. wrong with me? Like why can't I hang out with friends? Like why can't I do anything? And then there was the blackout period where I couldn't remember anything. I couldn't, like it felt like I was just moving through the days. And, like, it was, I've just never in my life felt anything like that. I definitely, like, had
0: a very similar thing where it was just, like, I don't feel like I'm here. I don't remember. Like, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't remember. Yeah. And, like, a lot of stuff that other people, I was, like, vaguely aware that I should be doing something, but they were keeping track of it for me because I just couldn't. You said you had trouble sleeping. I slept a lot because (laughs) sleeping was the closest
1: to being dead that I could get. So real. Like, <laughs> so real, like, you could be unconscious, yes. you know? Did you have dreams about him? I've had, like, one really vivid one
0: that felt like it wasn't just a memory, but I haven't had as many as I would like. Right. Like, I've had other ones that I could tell were just, like, my mind kind of fucking with me. Right. But I had the one that was, like, really good, because I was like, I don't remember this moment. Yeah. It and, like, a new experience yeah. with him. And so that one, I was like, I'm going to choose to believe that this was, like,
1: Something real. in the afterlife. Yeah. yeah. But this is a really touchy subject because I think obviously everyone has a different perspective. But for me, being told um, he's with God, he's in heaven, he's in a better place. (laughs) You couldn't say anything worse to me.
0: I'm sure that there are people out there that that statement is comforting to as people who have lost people in such abrupt and almost violent like ways brutal brutal ways that is a horrible thing to say like if they had been suffering from an illness i'd take it i'd be like you know what i saw them suffer and this is you're right they probably didn't want to keep having to do that but to have them have to go through that like do you honest to god think that's something that they would have chosen Right. And they would have thought, oh, well, I'm in a better place now. I went through this horrible, awful thing. Right. In this type of situation, it's very dismissive of our feelings, but it's also very dismissive of how awful that experience must have been for them. To say, like, oh, yeah. Like, it's basically just saying, like, it's fine that they went through that because they're in a better place now. and it's Right. Like, but
1: it's not. You're saying, like, he's with God. What God would want to put somebody through? what Demir and Regis went through. And that's something that I've really struggled with because I have to, I have to believe he's somewhere.
0: Right. Like I could not still be here if I didn't believe he was still somewhere. But if there is a God, me and him are not on speaking terms. Right. Like. (laughs) Yeah. Because people have asked me if I want to go to church and like I went once with his mother and like that was kind of nice because it was outside Right. So it wasn't so much the church aspect of it, but more of being out in nature in a way that Demir enjoyed. That kind of like helped me, but I think like a typical church environment I would not be able to do. And I've also had for some freaking reason predominantly priests tell me that the God will send me someone else to love, that I will find
1: someone else. That is such an irrelevant thing to well, say. Well, and
0: then I've straight up said to people I don't want to but they, they're and like, you they don't want to because you're just feeling yes. this way now. They, they and they diminish get dis- your feelings. feelings. Yes. And they're like, yes. and well, that's just right now. Someday you might feel different. And I'm like, who, who cares about someday? I'm here right
1: now. I'm trying to get through every day. And like, you can barely plan for your future, let alone like how you're going to address dating, if yeah. you even do address dating in the future. Like, you're not worried about that.
0: And it's just like such a weird thing to say. The idea of someone else ever touching me makes me physically ill. Just the thought of it. Each person's different. Like, just let me. Let you do what you need to do. live. This idea that, like, in the afterlife we're all reunited, I'm like, okay, if I find somebody else. That's going to be awkward. I know, and then I'm reunited (laughs) with him. I'm like, I'm never going to love anyone else as much as him. So what, am I going to be with someone in life who fully knows that, like, when we go into the afterlife, Peace, bro. Right.
1: It was nice,
0: but bad. Like, we got to agree on that. Yeah, yeah, like,
1: like thanks for keeping me company. Yeah, You're not the one. <laughs> yeah, that I didn't really think of that before, but that is so true. That's why I have a hard time, like, grappling the idea of an afterlife and, like, Regis killed himself, so according to the Bible, he's in hell. That's a very frustrating perspective, and that's something that's very much irritated me, and I can't imagine as being someone, like, more... Involved? How that feels? It's it's really frustrating to think about because I also have that feeling of like I need to believe he's somewhere, mm-hmm. but if I go by the Bible, he is not in heaven. Where else? What do you do? Where do you go? What happens?
0: <laughs> it's weird because like coming into this, I'm like, are people going to get the wrong idea that I'm just, and I feel like that's constant when you're talking about this kind of stuff that like, you feel like people are going to judge you, and you feel like if you come across too calm. Or you don't come across yeah. calm enough that you're s- either way somehow seeking attention, right? Or you making don't about care you. anymore. Yeah. You're making it about you. I can't sit here and carry everyone else's cares, right? Or you're being martyr and it's just like. It's frustrating. I was so excited to come on this because I'm like, I want to talk to him about him. And I also want to be able to talk about this in the space <laughs> that I feel safe. Yeah. But I also don't want people to, to think that I'm doing it for all the wrong reasons. Right. But at the end of the day, like, you can't worry about those people because they're not in the shoes you're in, so they don't get it.
1: Yeah. And the people who need to hear this message mm. will hear it. The people who are grieving and who need to feel less alone yeah. are going to hear this. And those are the people that matter in this But there's not a lot of young people that are going through this. And there's not a lot of stuff
0: out there about people talking about it. No. So it's like it's really hard to feel seen in a situation like this. Now, with new people that come into my life, I think I've gotten very blunt about it. But the thing is, I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't want to be unkind about it. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. But if this is something that is going to make you uncomfortable or that you can't handle that maybe a place in my life isn't right for you. Right. And it's like, that's okay. And I'm just going to give you the
1: opportunity to kind of step out now. I mean, I did the same thing with uh, the person I was dating when Regis died. I was like, I understand that this is not like an ideal situation to to deal with. And like, you have a choice. Like, you didn't know Regis. You have a choice on whether you want to take this on or not. And I will not be upset with you if you don't choose this yeah, because it's a lot for people to deal with, especially when they're not equipped to.
0: Some of the people that I'm friends with now, who I met in that like after part, it's nice because they have come in knowing that this is a part of me, knowing that this is a part of my life, and accepted it right. and signed on for it. Right. Versus like the childhood friends. For- yeah. Fortunately yeah. or unfortunately, they didn't have a choice. Right. On whether or not to sign on for it. Like, they kind of were just like, you're part of this now.
1: Right. Like, they're just by yeah. association. And a lot of them knew him, too. So yeah. So they have their own grief with it. Which
0: is like a whole other level of frustration for me. We experienced a lot of, as partners of these people, kind of not feeling like we were as important as other people in their lives. But then also to, be like, be a friend of these people... I feel like that gets forgotten a lot too yes. because that was something that really frustrated me a lot in the beginning was like Amber literally put her whole entire life on pause yeah. to take care of me on top of the fact that she lost someone who was also very important to her. People around us in that forgot that a lot. So much attention would go to me and I'm like, but she's here too. She did go through this, too. So that was very frustrating as well. And I can see how, as a friend of someone who just lost some major in life, sometimes it's a bit too much. Like, you're going through it,
1: too. You need a minute. I just feel like that's something that's forgotten and people need to be a little bit more aware of. In high school, I lost one of my really good friends to an overdose. And I felt like I could not grieve him because Mm -hmm. his siblings and his family and how must his parents feel? And who am I to be like hurt about this when I can't even imagine the level of pain that they're going through. And you have this, like, self-doubt with your grief about, like, whether it's valid or not as the friend. Because you're also trying to be the support system. Like, he was my friend. Now I need to be there for his siblings because they don't have their Mm -hmm. older brother anymore, you know? And so you you almost put yourself on the back burner entirely. Even with Regis, it's like, I'm grieving, but imagine how his mom feels. Yeah. Imagine how his siblings feel. I, I- It can't compare. So then you tell yourself, like, "Eh, it could be worse. It's not that bad. Even though it's horrible for everybody. And all of it is valid. People were using her to
0: ask about how I was. But then they weren't ever asking her. And it was even more frustrating when it was people who knew us both right like I could almost forgive the people that were like from his side of things who hadn't met her before who hadn't really met me before right So like that was different but like to have people that have been in both of our lives for so long kind of like put her on the
1: back burner too that was like very frustrating for me right because it makes you then feel even more guilty yeah. on top of all the guilt you already feel how have you changed since Demir died
0: I still I mean like I said I definitely don't go out as much as I did when he was here and I've definitely become more secluded in the house I'm getting better about it I'm like working harder now to like get myself out there a little bit more yeah but it's tough I've I don't know I've become a very strange person that I don't feel like I fully know (laughs) I totally
1: get them yeah who is
0: this and I definitely do like a lot of stuff that's more like just me myself and I activities yes like I puzzle now which is just ridiculous <laughs> but it's like I can sit there and be centered but I'm also someone now that needs constant stimuli and most of the time like from multiple places Yeah. so like if I'm doing a puzzle I need the TV on or I'm gonna have the TV on and I'm gonna have the audiobook on yeah. or like if I'm playing a video game I'll have the video game on but then there's also a YouTube video down on here like I can't just have one yeah. because I need to make that silence stop it, like, it can't yeah. be there at all. But now in some weird ways, I've become a little bit more outgoing. I've, like, really tried to force myself to be more like him and kind of introduce myself to more people and get out there more when I'm feeling like I can. Right. And so I feel like I have more new friendships at work that I probably wouldn't have made on my own in the past because I definitely had people, like, in my past teaching jobs that, like, I got along with, but I didn't have anyone that I was hanging out with outside of work. Right. Like, I kind of kept to myself at work, so I've kind of, like, forced myself. I'm like, you need to, like, try to be this person for yourself now. Right. It's not going to be the same, and it's not going to be as good, but, like, you need to try to be this person for yourself. The amount of my students that have come up to me and told me about losses in their life. Wow. With absolutely no knowledge of what's going on in my life. None of my kids know, but somehow they can, like, sense it. There's, like, a difference sort of empathy I yeah. think that grieving people have yeah and they'll just they'll just like that first year they just volunteered this stuff to me and I'm like wow it's so awful to know that so many other people are going through these things and still now have this and all over of the teachers and I'm like did you know about this right and it's like and then I almost get this frustration that like parents aren't telling us but like why was that their responsibility to tell us but it's like and they're just expected to show up to school every day and do
1: homework and like just be a normal kid yeah
0: and it's just like not an experience you're gonna know until you're in it and it's like once again that selfish feeling that you get from this but there was part of me that like oh my god I can finally talk to someone yeah and I'm like you've gone through this terrible thing but the part of my brain was like I can talk to someone
1: and say the weird
0: things yeah 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 that's been something weird too that's happened is I've been very bad at communicating. so horrible, and it's like living away from all of
1: my people. It's so easy to people. just
0: like not it's so easy to not I need to get better.
1: I know it's like something in the new year. I'll work on yeah, it. but like i I just I do my best, and most of my my friends are very understanding about it. I'm like, I'm sorry, they're like, girl, you don't yeah. need to explain it again. like we know. what is the biggest question you have? at the moment um, about grief. I feel like the
0: whole thing is like a giant question mark.
1: <laughs> and I feel like it's something that you don't know until you get there.
0: Because, like, if you had told me last year that I would be where I am right now emotionally, I would have hated myself yep. because it would have felt like a betrayal. How do you keep moving forward and kind of accept the person you're becoming right. without hating yourself my biggest question is like when are we going to live in a world where we can all talk about this and yeah. not be judged for it because it's like we're all going to go through it and i just can't now understand in the, where i am right not having the empathy or the space right for people to like feel the way that they're feeling but also like continue to talk about their people finding new ways to celebrate him i feel like that's always my biggest question is like how can i find new ways to keep him here
1: Yeah, I think my biggest question, too, is, like, why are we not talking about this? And how do we talk about this Mm -hmm. in a way that's, like, respectful and open and honest and, like, inclusive to everybody in the conversation? Because obviously grief is so specific and, like, weird for everybody. We both don't feel seen in a lot of places, and maybe we feel more seen in others. So, like, what is the answer to, like, being supportive? I mean, what do you want to say to people who... Or going through any sort of grief. Then, one
0: big thing is like, take up as much space as you need. That was something that I really and I still struggle with is giving myself permission to take up a little bit of space because I've never, never wanted to be a center of attention person, still don't want that. Right. But like, to allow myself to at least have the space to grieve is challenging. Don't question the crazy. Like, if it is what gets you through the day, if it is what is keeping you alive, and if you're safe, you're not getting hurt, like, it's fine. Right, right. Don't question it. Just do whatever you need to do. Do the weird need, rituals. Do. Yeah. Do
1: the weird sayings
0: in your head, whatever you yeah, need. Yes, so whatever you need to do, Yeah. do it. Try to be as open as possible with the people around you about where your mental health is at. Yeah. Because I definitely think that's what helped me. I think if I kept some of this stuff to myself, I might have acted on them. I think it's good that I w- had people around to tell?
1: I would say exactly what you just said. Um, There's no like magic recipe. There's no five stages and it's over. It's a forever thing. Mm -hmm. It's until you die. It's going to be there and it's going to look different at all the stages of your life. And you just have to like accept that, not accept the situation. I don't think you really need to do that. I think you just need to accept that the grief is with you because it's not going to go anywhere and you can try to drown it out Sure, you can do all the things to try to ignore it, but it's there and it's gonna be there. So accepting that it's there, I think is like a really, really big thing. Like accepting that this is something you have to live with. It's okay to feel like it's okay to be grieving and Mm -hmm. as much as like society hates it the more we do it the more it will be accepted and the more we're going to understand collectively so I think it is something we need to talk about. I think
0: something I was guilty of in the beginning was like don't bottle it up I have now cried in a lot of really weird places.
1: Oh my god yeah.
0: And like just accept that that's going to happen and it doesn't really matter what that random person who crosses you on the street is thinking
1: cuz you're never going to see them again anyway. Right, it does not matter. It's and it hits you very yes. very randomly. And so if letting go in that moment is helping alleviate a little bit of it, let it go. And I think with that comes the number one thing that's helped me, which is like just focus on right now. Yeah. You can try to plan for the future, you can think about how am I going to ever love again, you can do all these things that people are trying to tell you to do. I just need to get through right now. Not even today. Mm-hmm. I need to get through, like, right now. Instead of figuring out all the logistics, like, how am I going to heal from this? How is this going to affect me in the future? How, how am I going to move forward? Like, mm-hmm. don't don't even go there with yourself because you're just trying to get through it. And if you think too big picture, it's like it will overwhelm you and make yeah. you feel like you're not capable and, like, you can't. But you can, and, and you just need to worry about how am I going to get through right now?
0: Yeah, it's generally like minute by minute. And like, I don't have a five-year plan for myself anymore because no. I watched the one I had disappear. So now it's just like surviving minute by minute. House still paid for, still got a roof in my head. Okay, right. we're right. fine. Good enough. Yeah, if anyone ever wants to donate to um, Reaves Across America, that'd be great. That's another thing that's very similar to the Bells where they give or they try to give um, every veteran's cemetery reeves to place in the graves. And when they place them, they also, like, read the name off the stone. So it's, like, once again, another opportunity for, like, every veteran's name to be said. And if there's not enough reuse, a lot of the people that are kind of towards the backs of cemeteries who have been
1: there longer kind of miss that chance. Yeah, good to know. We will Mm -hmm. put the link if you want to donate. Do you do it, like, in somebody's name or do you just... You can do both. You can donate in their name or you can donate to a specific cemetery. So, yes, definitely click the link, check that out. And if you want to donate, great. And if you can't donate, sharing is always an awesome thing to do. Thank you so much for coming on. I am so glad we did this. And um, I'm hoping that everyone enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for coming on today. I hope you feel good about it. Yeah. Like the
0: strangest way. Yes.
1: Yeah. Like this was really healing, I think, in in so many ways. So thank you. Thank you guys so, so much for listening to today's episode. It was extremely special to me. Um, it, It was an incredible experience getting to talk to somebody who has been through something that I just relate to so much. If you are watching on YouTube, definitely subscribe and hit that like button, turn on notifications and stick around for some more really, really interesting topics. And of course, if you are listening on any streaming platform, definitely rate the podcast and add it to your library. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time on the End Also podcast.